Good morning. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Jerome Vaughn, and you're listening to 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We're about to begin our simulcast with WDIV-TV of the funeral of Aretha Franklin. Their services are expected to last sometime into the late afternoon. We will bring you the entire service uninterrupted. The funeral is taking place at the Greater Grace Temple in northwest Detroit. Services were scheduled to begin at 10 a.m., but as of 9.20 this morning, the family had not left its hotel, located about 20 minutes away. Mourners are still filing into the church and greeting each other at this time. So we're going to take a couple of minutes now while we wait for their services to begin and take a look back at the life of Aretha Franklin. The singer known as the Queen of Soul was one of the most celebrated artists in music and left an indelible impression on a variety of genres. WDET's Quinn Kleinfelter has this remembrance. Aretha Franklin's impact on music is almost impossible to measure. Born in Tennessee in 1942, her talent as a mostly self-taught pianist and powerful singer was apparent from a very early age. She toured as a child in a traveling gospel revival show featuring her father, the Reverend C.L. Franklin. They relocated to Detroit, which Aretha Franklin always called home, and her earliest recordings were made at her father's church. But in a 1999 interview on the public radio show Fresh Air, Franklin remembered traveling through the Deep South to sing with her father and discovering just how deep racism ran in America during the 1960s. It certainly was not what I was used to or accustomed to in Detroit. There were times that we were asked to go to the back of the restaurant, say, or we couldn't use the bathrooms. We got information that golf... Uh, you could use the bathrooms there, and we didn't buy gas where we could not use the restrooms. So we went to golf a lot, I must tell you. By then, Franklin had segued into pop music and R&B. She'd also developed a reputation for being a bit difficult to work with. Broadcaster and current WDET music host Jay Butler booked her for a show when both were in Tennessee, but it was canceled because of a lack of ticket sales. A year or so later, he and Franklin were both in Detroit, and Butler had her on his radio show, beginning a relationship that lasted the rest of the Queen of Soul's life. Butler says Franklin was extremely gifted and extremely demanding. She was an exceptionally talented person, so her personality kind of reflected uh, somewhat of a diva attitude because they're very meticulous about their work. They wanted to have control, more control of their work. How it sounds is important. Franklin began producing a chain of hits, including the song Respect, which reached number one on the charts in 1967 and earned Franklin her first two Grammy Awards. Her success continued into the 1970s, though it began to fade as disco music came to dominate the charts, and Franklin herself struggled with some personal issues. A cameo in the 1980 Blues Brothers movie introduced her to a new generation of fans, and she again became pop music gold, producing hits like Freeway of Love.
the accolades poured in, Franklin became the first female singer inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and earned 18 Grammy Awards. She also became anointed as a kind of national treasure, having performed at important historical events, ranging from the funeral of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to the inauguration of President Barack Obama. Franklin had also fought health issues that she was reluctant to describe publicly. She abruptly canceled several shows, and by last year she announced she was retiring, saying she felt satisfied with her career, but did not plan to simply sit and do nothing. WDET's Jay Butler says he ran into Franklin at a party, and the Queen of Soul's health was not a topic for discussion. The sickness had started at that time, though. She had lost weight, but... Never uh, anything about I'm going to retire or I'm through because a son was recording. She was working on a new album. In recent days, however, Franklin had reportedly been in hospice care. Aretha Franklin was 76 years old. I'm Quinn Kleinfelter, WDET News. Dozens of artists paid tribute to the Queen of Soul last night at Shane Park in Detroit. One of those performers, L.J. Reynolds of the Detroit's legendary group, The Dramatics, was not only a musical collaborator of Aretha Franklin's, he was also a friend. Culture Chef's Amanda LeClaire spoke with Reynolds about the Queen's singular talent and how her legacy lives on. If you have to be trained to sing, you'll never get where Aretha's at, or even me. Because singing at that level, it takes, first of all, compassion, sincerity. You have to be born with a gift. She was born to become Aretha Franklin. And uh, I had written a song for Aretha. It's called, Why Can't We All Just Get Along? Like Rodney King said, Why Can't We All Just Get Along? Oh, I played it for uh, because we would talk a lot. Uh, prior to her really getting sick, we talked more than ever. I sang the song for Aretha. She asked me to, to write, do two songs on her for her new album. And I wrote the song. I let her hear it. I said, Aretha, here's the song. She said, she listened to it. Then she said, LJ, I might not be able to do the song. I said, wait a minute. Why? why? She said, sometimes I feel good and sometimes I don't. I feel real bad. And I had been hearing things. And uh, we had done her Christmas party just this last Christmas, I sang uh, her favorite song by me, Call Me. <laughs> and uh, she didn't show up. And she didn't. That's the first time she ever missed her Christmas party. That's when you knew something was seriously wrong? Yeah. That's when I knew that it was just about over as far as her recording another album. That goes to say that, you know, why do we do this? This last album, to me, 
that I got out coming out now, the single is out. This was probably the hardest album for me to do because I had losses in my family. My daughter passed, my, my brother passed. And, and then all of these different things that's happening as, as you get older, uh, you don't want to go to the studio. I say to myself, this is the last album. But we do that when it comes to going on the road. You got all these people entertainers telling me this is their last tour. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You got some of the biggest acts out there, Fleetwood Mac and all these other acts. They saying that, hey, this is the farewell tour. Ah, I don't think so because they're going to sit there for two, three years and they're going to want to get back up on that stage. People like us, we die on the road. We die on stage. We die trying to finish an album. We die trying to do an album. I don't think it affects other people, people regular people that go to work, but you're driven to either be an entertainer and, and, and it's something that's driving you to do that. Not only as a collaborator of Aretha's and a friend, as a musician, what have we lost with her passing? Well, we lost some, some new songs that she could have sang. But her catalog is written. It's finished. We can close the book on the catalog, the new catalogs. But one thing we did not lose was we can always open that book and read it. And you can read that book over and over again. Respect, Gotta Find Me an Angel, Freeway of Love, and many, many, many hit records. We can always go back and listen to Aretha Franklin. To say she'll be missed, yes, but she's even alive on her records. And you're going to remember that probably more than her dying, more than her passing, because she's left such an impact and so many visual memories and vocal memories until we can listen to her until we die. And we'll all go down that road. Ain't none of us getting out of this alive. So we have to live now because we're, we're going down that midnight train one day we're going to have to get off. That was Detroit music legend L.J. Reynolds of the soul group The Dramatics. He performed at last night's tribute concert for Aretha Franklin at Chain Park. Reynolds spoke with WDET's Amanda LeClaire. You are listening to WDET's special coverage of the funeral of Aretha Franklin. We are waiting to join our simulcast with WDIV-TV in just a couple of moments. Folks are still streaming into Greater Grace Temple in northwest Detroit. The family is about to arrive. Notables such as Bill Clinton are there, Gladys Knight, Jennifer Hudson, they have arrived at the church, and we are waiting for things to get started. In the meanwhile, we're going to continue to look back at the life of Aretha Franklin. It was at New Bethel Baptist Church where Franklin began to sing. It was the church she was raised in for decades. The pastor of that church was her father, the late Reverend C.L. Franklin. As Detroit mourns the loss of Aretha Franklin, WDET's Eli Newman takes a look at how the church gave soul to the Queen of Soul. Bill Jones and Sharon Thetford are standing outside New Bethel Baptist Church in Detroit, having a friendly disagreement about what Aretha Franklin is wearing. Yeah, but my husband said they was going to put her in yellow and they was going to put her in... No, she got it on... was blue. What? Blue. Mm. Heels, everything, silver, looking wonderful. Wow. I mean, she looked so good. She looked like the queen of soul. That's but how did she you, looked. You, you, 
The two are longtime Detroiters and longtime members of the church. Sharon Thedford says her grandmother used to bring her here every Sunday night. This is our family church. Okay. okay. We, I got baptized here in the 70s. My grandmother was 67-year member here before she passed. New Bethel was the church when Thedford was growing up. She says it would get so full, the church would broadcast its services in the street. It was at a big screen. I, you couldn't get in with so many people. But I was out here then watching it on, on the big screen. Bill Jones didn't always go to New Bethel. He heard about the church and its pastor, Clarence LaVon Franklin, on the radio. Jones says he joined the church after seeing Franklin preach. He was a dynamic pastor, singer, plus shoe song, and it was just like church, real church, all the time. Mm, well, Lord, it looks like a, a helpless thing. It looks like an unprofitable thing for me to go out and preach to dry bones. Reverend C.L. Franklin was born in Mississippi and spent time preaching around the South in the 1930s before he came to Detroit. When he became pastor of New Bethel in 1946, he brought the African-American church tradition of hooping with him. It's a kind of rhythmic and melodic vocal technique used to engage the congregation during sermons like this one. You know, God's ways, you know, are above man's ways. His charismatic voice and thoughtful teachings drew crowds of followers. The church became a hub for African-American music in Detroit and a focal point for the civil rights movement. Reverend Franklin organized the 1963 Walk to Freedom in Detroit. It's where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. first delivered his I Have a Dream speech. The walk, with 125,000 participants, was the largest civil rights demonstration in U.S. history at that point. I have a savior, I can tell my, my troubles too. C.L. Franklin was a singer in his own right. He became famous as the preacher with a million dollar voice. He toured the country with his own gospel caravan, where a young Aretha Franklin performed. He befriended gospel legends like Mahalia Jackson, James Cleveland, and Clara Ward. But it wasn't just his voice that set Reverend Franklin apart from his contemporaries. In a YouTube video, family friend and minister Jasper Williams says Franklin revolutionized how people heard his voice. Nobody was recording at that time in terms of preachers. Uh, nobody ever gave it a thought. Even he himself, this is one of those things that God allowed him to stumble into because the man named Battle heard him preach and had started his recording company and just followed him around. In fact, Joe Von Battle, the man who recorded Reverend Franklin's sermons and hymns, was the first to release a recording of Aretha Franklin. Her first recordings were performed within the walls of the New Bethel Baptist Church, later released as the live album Songs of Faith. It was 1956, and Aretha Franklin was just 14 years old. Ten years after her first single, Aretha Franklin signed with Atlantic Records, launching her into pop stardom with hits like Respect and Chain of Fools. While secular music earned Franklin recognition among a general audience, Franklin's gospel underpinnings earned her just as much acclaim and commercial success. Her seminal gospel album, Amazing Grace, went double platinum in 1972. 
Aretha Franklin was never too far from New Bethel. She returned to the church to record her 1987 Grammy award-winning album, One Lord, One Faith, One Baptism. The church's neon cross is pictured on the record cover. On holidays, New Bethel became a concert hall where Aretha would headline gospel festivals. On other occasions, New Bethel became a place of mourning when members of the Franklin family passed away. Um, and you move back just a little. When news broke that Aretha Franklin had died, Terry Tarrant rushed from the suburbs to New Bethel. I had my boombox out here, my bowl system. I was playing music, and I bought two pots of roses. And then everybody saw me put the roses down, then everybody started bringing flowers, and they just started blossoming. Tarrant says he's been coming down to the church every day as Aretha's funeral approaches. He maintains the memorial in between waves of visiting fans. He straightens the signs knocked down by the wind, directs cars on the street, takes pictures of families from out of town. Trant says he does it all because he respects Aretha more than any other Detroit artist. Because all of Motown left, she stayed with us. Trant says Detroit needs to understand the musical legacy Aretha Franklin left. Just like Graceland have the king of rock, Elvis Presley, the queen of soul stays here. No one gets that. If Aretha Franklin does ever get her own Graceland, it would probably look and feel just like her church. For WDET News, I'm Eli Newman. Cause I got bills to pay. You're listening to 1019 WDET. I'm Jerome Vaughn. This is special coverage of the funeral service of Aretha Franklin. Thousands of people have gathered at Greater Grace Temple in northwest Detroit to pay their final respects to Aretha Franklin. We're waiting for the services to begin. The family has arrived. Artists such as Jennifer Hudson and Martha Reeves are there in the service right now. They are waiting for things to begin. Bill Clinton just talking to Jesse Jackson, others there just waiting, chatting for things to begin. So in the meantime, we're going to reminisce a bit about Aretha Franklin right now before we join our simulcast with WDIV Television. Music fans and artists around the globe are mourning the death of the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. That includes WDET music host Jay Butler, who knew Franklin personally for decades. Butler tells WDET's Quinn Kleinfelter, although he and Franklin called Detroit home, their relationship began in Tennessee, where both he and the legendary singer were born. I booked Aretha in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, in 1964, my first meeting of her. You booked her, you were uh, like a, an agent setting up concerts at the time? No, no, no. I was a disc jockey at uh, WVOL in Nashville, Tennessee. She had a hit then called Won't Be Long on there. And uh, so I booked her for Nashville and had to cancel because we didn't sell any tickets. Oh, my. Really? Yeah. How'd she take that? Not well. She was, uh, well, she, it was okay. Her, let's say, manager uh, was not happy with it because they had uh, 
they had uh, made their way to Nashville, and we didn't cancel until afterwards. So from there, where did it go? From there, a year later, I came to Detroit. By then, Aretha had gone to Atlantic Records, uh, was still at her father's church, New Bethel. And later, after that, I went to California, where she had moved and was on uh, the label, Atlantic label, and I was doing West Coast artist relations and promotion for Atlantic Records. So I booked her on the uh, Johnny Carson Tonight Show. Well, when you were both in Detroit at that first time, mm-hmm. um, I mean, what did you think of her as a person and as an artist? Let's, uh, let's just say that uh, Aretha could be a diva. I think most talented people can be um, a little bit different than uh, just ordinary folks. I was going to say, I mean, her, her talent could justify it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to being uh, an outstanding vocalist, She's at the top of that list. I think about the time that she sat in for Pavarotti, uh, from gospel to classical, a talented individual. Uh, And when I say talented, I mean she was an exceptionally talented person. So her personality kind of reflected a kind of uh, somewhat of a diva attitude because they're very meticulous about their work. And especially coming from, I say, uh, from the old school stance where uh, they wanted to have a control, more control. How it sounds is important. But the last time I think I, I, I talked to her was about a year ago. I know last year she had said she was going to retire. Was that before? Yeah, that was at about the same time, as a matter of fact. She mentioned any of that to you? No, she did not. She was finishing an album, as a matter of fact. The sickness had started at that time, though. How could you tell? I mean, could you just tell, or did she say? No. uh, Well, yeah, you could tell. You knew that something was, from a physical standpoint, I think you knew that something was was not happening, Mm -hmm. and uh, she was not in the greatest of health. There were reports that she said that she was satisfied where her career was, but she didn't want to sit around and just do nothing. I mean, did she mention anything along those lines? No, I don't remember anything about, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going to retire or I'm through, because she was at that time, too. I mean, uh, Sun was recording. She was working on a new album. So, no, it wasn't any anything. As a matter of fact, there was no talk about her health or anything at the time. Did she seem excited? Like, boy, I got all this stuff going? Uh, no, she never seemed exciting. <laughs> I don't remember Aretha sounding exciting about anything whenever I talk with her anyway. There is no replacement for a, an Aretha Franklin. That exceptional kind of talent uh, is not something that is so readily found or duplicated. She will forever be remembered, I think, as uh, one of the most talented singers ever.
WDET music host Jay Butler knew the late Aretha Franklin since the 1960s. Butler talked about the legendary Queen of Soul with WDET's Quinn Kleinfelter. You're listening to WDET's special coverage of the funeral of Aretha Franklin. Folks are still lining up to get into the church. We're waiting for services to begin. And while we're doing that, we are reminiscing about Aretha Franklin and her career. We're going to join our simulcast with WDIV Television in just a few minutes. But first... Aretha Franklin became a part of history in many ways. She sang at momentous events ranging from the funeral of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in 1968 to President Obama's inauguration in 2009. Franklin gave an emotional performance of The Impossible Dream at the Detroit funeral of civil rights pioneer Rosa Parks in November of 2005. Good afternoon, everyone. Say amen, somebody. Say amen, somebody. To the Parks and the Macaulay family, we want to thank you. Thank you for her quiet, her quiet strength and determination. Where the brave are you dare not. 
chased from afar to try when your arms are too Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Richards, amen. Aretha Franklin singing at the funeral of Rosa Parks at Detroit's Greater Grace Temple in November 2005. It is the same church where we're waiting for services to begin for Aretha Franklin. We're going to now join our partners, WDIV-TV, for the simulcast of the Aretha Franklin Funeral Service. We also want to acknowledge the help of the Word Network for their technical assistance. WDIV Television's Devin Skillian and Kimberly Jill, uh, Gill are joined by WDET's Ann DeLisi. You're listening to 1019 WDET. Good evening. It's 645. I'm Jerome Vaughn, and you're listening to 1019 WDET. You've been listening to special coverage of the funeral of Aretha Franklin here on WDET. Thanks so much for joining us today. In the studio with me for uh, just a few minutes is WDET's Quinn Kleinfelter. He uh, has been out at Greater Grace Temple for much of the day and uh, has been reporting on it for us here at WDET for the past couple couple of weeks, the death of Aretha Franklin, that is. Quinn, uh, tell us uh, what the day has been like for you. As they were just saying there a moment ago, uh, extraordinary is quite the word. Uh, It's been uh, equal parts probably a a church revival and also historical tributes to the Queen of Soul and what she meant to so many people, both uh, those who are high profile, uh, the figures, the musical figures like Smokey Robinson, the political public figures such as Bill Clinton and others, and then people that I talked to in the crowds, both uh, at the service today and at the public visitations earlier over the last couple of weeks, where you could see that this was a loss that really meant something to people in their own personal lives. It was leaving a void that uh, Aretha Franklin had filled for some time. Uh, Not just her music, although there was so much of that, and so much being played uh, both at the services again today and throughout many of the remembrances, and the various genres that she touched. The services showed that so well, the goth from gospel to R&B to pop songs. But more with her work in civil rights and uh, how she embodied kind of the empowerment of women. They didn't have to have some guy to validate them. I mean, there was so much that she meant to so many. And you can say that almost to the point where it becomes a cliche. But in this case in particular, it seemed to have a a real true foundation with many of the people that I talked to, especially today, as they were realizing this was going to be kind of the final stage that Aretha Franklin would be on. There were many uh, politicians, political stars, uh, as well as pop stars and pastors throughout uh, the day today. Is there anything that really jumped out at you that uh, you you heard from um, from the stage today? You know, to be honest, what really jumped out to me more than I mean, number one, I mean, just so many comments, so many upbeat tributes, you know, oftentimes you can have kind of a a somber sense at a funeral, and yet it was so much a celebration, as oftentimes African-American funerals are. Uh, But what really jumped out to me was people outside. Uh, There was one woman that I spoke who had uh, made a point to come up here from Atlanta, even though she had no idea until yesterday that she might even have a chance to actually join in to the funeral itself. They opened it up for people just at the last minute uh, yesterday. Uh, And others that uh, said that uh, they were from Detroit and had come back uh, from other areas because to them, Aretha in many ways was Detroit. She never left uh, when other places like Motown had. 
and she embodied what they hoped that people from Detroit would be, someone who could succeed in a massive way and yet still care about those among them. There was one woman I, I spoke with who had seen her at a birthday party, and here she was, Aretha Franklin, uh, celebrated globally, and yet at that point the Queen of Soul was more interested to make sure that everybody had gotten their birthday dinner properly. And it, it touched this woman. She, it meant so much to her. She said that, you know, we're happy. It's been a couple of dim days, she has said, in Detroit as the public visitations had gone on. And that uh, today was a day of celebration and, in a way, a, a brightness to it because it's a home-going, as many people will say. Uh, but at the same time, she said she couldn't shake the sadness that someone who had meant something very personally to her life, even though she'd, she'd barely met her, uh, was gone now, and that there was going to be a hole that uh, the music could fill, uh, but only to an extent. Let me set the scene for you right now. Um, the uh, casket is being rolled outside. Paul bearers are standing near the hearse waiting to uh, load the casket in. They will be uh, driving down Seven Mile Road uh, to Woodward and then over to uh, Woodlawn Cemetery. That's where Aretha Franklin will be uh, interred, and that will happen uh, in just a little while this evening. Uh, no doubt many people will line up along Seven Mile Road to pay their final respects if they not been able to get in. Um, how, how was the crowd, generally speaking, uh, Quinn? They uh, were saying, as you said, going to let in a 1,000 people. Uh, they lined up early in the morning. You talked to a number of them. Um, how, how was that? How was the mood? Um, well, I mean, it was a little bit unruly just at the very beginning, as you would expect when people were trying to fight to get in. But uh, and then some other people disappointed that they were not able to get into the spaces that had been made available within Greater Grace Temple. Uh, but that was really a very minor aspect. Uh, the people there were drawn because of their caring about her. And the fact that either so many of them, even though they came from other places, had either lived in Detroit, were transplanted or relocated Detroiters, or were in fact still in the city and that they so identified her with the Motor City, that she was what they would hope a Detroiter would be, somebody who could get big and yet care about those who were, for lack of a better word, the, the small and meek. And they, the sense was that it was someone they were going to miss very much and that the music would still speak to them for decades to come and speak to their children, their grandchildren, people who had no idea who Aretha Franklin was, but knew what you make me feel like a natural woman or R-E-S-P-E-C-T meant. Uh, but to these people that had grown up with her, it, it was a loss. And so, you know, it was a, a thing where it's a celebration that was tinged with sadness and in a way tinged with uh, the fact that, that things that they had long kept in their minds and hearts as a foundation we're beginning to go. So, you know, the the cliche will be is that it was a a celebration that was fit for a queen, you know, and that is a cliche, uh, but sometimes cliches are true. And in this case, I think uh, it very much is. The national media, international media turned out for um, the funeral celebration uh, this afternoon. Many reporters have been in town for uh, the, the last week as the uh, visitations went on and uh, as the uh, concert went on last night. Um, have you gotten a sense of that outside impression of, of Detroit um, from people who have 
come from afar or Chicago or Washington or, or wherever and have been in Detroit for this week. Um, have you gotten a sense of what they're thinking about the city right now? Not so much, to be honest. I mean, a lot of times if somebody hasn't been here for a while and then they'll look at downtown or some other areas and they'll go, oh, my gosh, you know, it's coming back and there's this rebirth. And, and you hear that a lot of times from people that are either are not really from the metro region or from the city itself. Uh, even sometimes you hear that from the suburbs, you know, around Detroit. Uh, so I, I did. I heard that to uh, to an extent. But for the most part, it was all about Aretha. It was, you know, and what she symbolized to them as somebody from Detroit. Uh, when they looked back at some of the music that she had played, they said they danced to him as little children, and they danced to him yesterday, uh, in some cases as septuagenarians, you know. Uh, it, it was something where it, she was able to touch so many genres of music over so many decades that there was just this this bringing together of a lot of people, you know, and and whether they came from whatever country. I mean, there were people from Northern Ireland who I, I was a little surprised, you know, and I thought, you know, maybe overly stereotypically, well, really, I mean, you guys are caring that much about R&B or, you know, American gospel, and, oh, yeah, you know, she's really big in, in Northern Ireland. And just the the sense of somebody who could care about things that were broken and had a powerful music that said you could rise above that and make things better. And that seemed to permeate uh, all cultures and all countries uh, that were there. And as you say, there was a lot of people there. I mean, you if you were trying to make a cell phone call or anything, it was nearly impossible from outside of the church just because there were so many people from so many countries trying to do the same thing. Thanks so much, Quinn Kleinfelter. Quinn Kleinfelter has been covering the funeral of Aretha Franklin today. You've been listening to special coverage of the funeral of Aretha Franklin here on WDET. Thanks so much for joining us today. This has been a historic event for the city of Detroit throughout the day. You've heard remarks from speakers such as the Reverend Jesse Jackson, former President Bill Clinton, and Motown star Smokey Robinson. You've heard performances from artists such as Faith Hill, Ariana Grande, Shirley Caesar, and Stevie Wonder all to honor the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. We want to take just a minute to acknowledge our partners who have made this broadcast possible. Thank you to the fine folks at WDIV-TV, including Ro Coppola, Ian Rhodes, Bill Mullen, Kimberly Gill, and Devin Skillian. Thanks to the Word Network for their technical assistance in pulling this all together. And thank you to NPR for their work with and support of WDET throughout this week of coverage. This is 1019 WDET. We're going to take you out of this special coverage with Aretha Franklin singing at Rosa Parks' funeral back 13 years ago. Good afternoon, everyone. Say amen, somebody. Say somebody to the Parks and the Macaulay family we want to thank you thank you for her quiet her quiet strength and determination oh yes we want to thank you Strength and yeah. 
To 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. Detroit Today is up after the news. from NPR News in Washington. I'm Jack Spear. 